Ah, here he is, the Tarzan boy himself. <laughs> uh, this has become your theme song. I, I know. I, I, I had actually had to uh, go online and find this song after the last visit, and I, two thumbs up. I now it's, it's in your phone, isn't it? Just, just kind of, yeah. <laughs> Barrett Miller, uh, wildlife interpreter with Fort White Alive, and of course a regular here on the Shadow Davis Show. Welcome again to the program, Thank Barrett. you very much for having me, Shadow. So the uh, email that you sent our producer, Shanna Lee Vidal, had to do with like a hawk, and we both thought, hmm, you know, Barrett speaks in riddles sometimes, but I think this is an obvious one. Hawks must be up there circling around looking for your puppy or your kitten, so watch out. Well, we certainly do have raptors in the city, um, birds of prey, raptors. I know fans of the Jurassic Park series maybe have a different mental image. There's no dinosaurs running around your neighborhood. Although there's some pretty good evidence to suggest that uh, the dinosaurs didn't go away. They didn't go extinct. Most of them did, and the rest just sort of evolved into birds. So maybe there are raptors in your neighborhood. And if you are a mouse or a rabbit, you do sort of need to have that sense of panic around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even they're for, up there and they're oh, looking, yeah. aren't they? Excellent eyesight. Uh, eyesight that we can't even believe. Different ones have different strategies. Um, there's a family called the Butios. That's the red-tailed hawk. That's often the one that you see sitting up on the hydro lines as you get to the edges of the city, around the perimeter. The airport's a really good chance to see that one. They eat everything. Birds, everything. Let me ask you this. Yeah. There's, there's falcons and then there's hawks up there. How do we tell the difference when they're up there circling? <laughs> A falcon's going to be a lot faster and a lot lighter. Um, a hawk is usually more rugged. See, hawks will tangle it up on the ground. Hawks will go after prey on the ground. Even what we would call a bird hawk that typically would take its prey on the wing is still going to be a little bit rougher looking, a little bit tougher, broader in the shoulders, bigger wings than a falcon. Falcons are streamlined. Falcons are about speed. Falcons will take prey that's not birds, but they are air-to-air specialists. So... When you're talking about this eyesight they have, yep. is there a way we can put that in perspective? Like how much better is their eyesight than ours? I've heard that an eagle, um, when they really focus, it's like looking through a good, good pair of binoculars. Okay. So um, if you've ever been out, um, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that um, the red tail is a lot like looking through a little spotting scope like some folks have for golfing or yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of birders would be looking right back at the hawk with. But I've heard that the eagle can be almost 100 times magnification compared to what we could see. Like they could see a mouse moving from way up there. Way, way, way up, yeah. They can see things from such a distance we can't even fathom that. Yeah, well, and uh, it doesn't always work to their advantage. Uh, I was swimming around. Things are actually closer than they appear to be. (laughs) Well, and uh, things are more interesting than they might actually be. I was swimming around um, when uh, last fall look up and there's an osprey starting to uh, flap. The ospreys are cool. They're a fish-eating hawk. It sort of stops, hovering, hovering, and it's way up, 100 feet, maybe more. And I realized it's just seeing, it's seeing me kicking. I'm wearing a wetsuit. It's just seeing my feet going and it looks like two fish that are dumb enough to stay on the surface. It can come and get you. Well, it it didn't though. I was lucky. uh, You know, it it saw it. That doesn't look right. It sort of broke off. Has there been human contact with, with these predator birds? Well, I mean, they can't really grab us and take us anywhere. No, they couldn't grab us and fly off with us. Uh, as you mentioned before, small pets and that kind of thing. Yeah. No, we don't have really have anything to worry about. That said, if you find a nest of any bird, even a tiny little sparrow, the parents could get a little aggressive. It's not really something that I would worry about or even with small children worry about. 
pets, cats, small dogs, a little bit of a different story. Um, although there again, because hawks hunt mostly during the daytime and your pets are out without supervision more often at night, hawks make noise and you sort of see them coming, whereas your owls don't. I would worry more about letting them out at night unsupervised because the owls would be the hunters. Well, owls are a whole different story. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> It is cool, though. If you if you see a red-tailed hawk, you can be pretty darn sure that you've got a great horned owl in your neighborhood. If you see or hear a great horned owl, you're in red-tailed hawk country. How do you know all this stuff? Is well, that, it just from day after day after day of doing this? Or is it pretty like... Much, well, some... And a, and a strong interest in it, I mean... Well, sure. But yeah, yeah, no, generally it's... um Yeah. I, uh, I find it fascinating that you know so much. I guess you go through these stories and you find creative ways to tell them with all of the visitors that come out too, right? That, that's pretty much what I do. Yep, that's a very good summary of a good part of my job. So, yeah. Uh, geese. Yes. They've been a big issue lately. They have been, although a different issue than we were talking about the last time. Um, very early spring, the geese have nested, eggs have hatched. They now have little ones. And, and they're walking across highways right That's now. what they're doing. They're trying to get to water. Um, mother and dad goose are good, but they're not quite good with traffic. Um, unfortunately, there's very little we can do except slow down. Um, if don't put yourself in danger ever for the geese. Yeah. Do we have um, any idea as to where they may cross, where they just choose to walk across? Is it like water sources, puddles? It's closer to water, but ditches. unfortunately there's no real rhyme or reason to where. Like they won't use a crosswalk. They won't decide like, oh, the water's usually, I mean, puddles of water, bodies of water are big. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be going to like just a little puddle over there. Yeah. They're going to want a retention pond or something. So if you know that you're on a high-speed route near a retention pond, like parts of Bishop Grandin, Keniston, um, I'm thinking the Canada way. I haven't seen geese up there, but it's the right kind of habitat. Anyway, you're passing a golf course, right? They, oh, golf courses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Furmore. Yeah, yeah, because I'll tell you this. I, I was, uh, anytime I see a goose now walking, I think of you. Oh, okay. And the story that you told about how strong these birds yep. are. I mean, their yep. wings have to be strong in yep. order to carry them so far when they take off south, right? And so I was up at Pinawa playing golf, and mm -hmm. I'm walking past, you know, the, the water there on the ninth hole, and there was, sure enough, it was 20 geese. And my ball was right there, and I thought, what am I going to do now? Am I going <laughs> to walk into this? And they let me go. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like you got to know the password. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're giving you the eyeball the whole time. Again, if you're confident, if you're not messing with their little ones, now that they're off the nest, their aggress aggression level has dropped. Okay. They need to think that you might be a problem for their little ones. So unless you're actively chasing after those little goslings or standing between a mum and the little one, their tempers aren't quite what they were four weeks ago, six weeks ago. So it's okay now. It's okay now. And by the end of the year, everybody's just going to be a happy goose and you'd actually be needing to poke it with the golf club to make it hiss at you. All right. I don't condone that. Please don't do that out don't there. Don't do that. But uh, no, as they... Um, what's going on for them now, they're looking after their little ones. The adults actually molt. They lose their flight feathers. To grow new ones. Okay. Now that's two purposes. One, brand new feathers for that fall migration. And two, ducks can run away and leave their little ones if they're scared enough. Most birds can. Geese for a couple weeks can't fly away. So they have to stand and defend little ones, which might be why there's so many little geese that become big geese. I see. So yeah, when mom and dad can't get away, they're a little bit more likely to turn and be not happy with you, but... 
generally compared to certainly compared to nesting season, the aggression levels way down and they're mostly focused on family life right now. Would you call this rutting season for deer and for, uh, not yet. Seeing a lot more deer in, yep. in the city now. And that's mostly because we're active at dawn and dusk. Uh, we've just gone through that wonderful period where rush hour and uh, deer hour, just before light and dark, happen at the same time as what we are out and about as. Um, also, with our nice long twilight evenings going into June, the deer love it. They get up as the sun starts going down. We're still doing our thing till 9, 10 at night, so we're going to see them a lot more. Um, we're actually at the sort of opposite end of the deer calendar from the rut. The little ones are just being, well, most of the fawns should have been born now, but that's has just happened or is just ending now. Okay. Um, so there is no aggression. No, 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 no. Right no. now. In fact. It's more um, nesting right now. Well, mom, the dads are off doing, well, they're eating plants to try grow a fancy set of antlers in anticipation of that rut. They don't want to use any more energy than they have to. They're off doing nothing. They're a lazy. fancy set of antlers. Behind the glass, Jerry has a question. Okay, so on the weekend, uh, we had a deer in the backyard, uh, and we noticed uh, its front leg was dangling. It was completely broken and was bleeding from it, and it was all by itself, obviously in great pain. Um, and it was there, like I say, it was eating. Was it wailing? Uh, it wasn't noise? wailing, but you, just the way it was moving, you could tell it was in great And it couldn't mm. put, obviously, any weight on the one front leg, mm -hmm. obviously. So it, ca it, can't, it can't scratch or anything uh, into the dirt. Uh, so it was eating all the dandelions that it could. Uh, but, you know, every now and then it would just, it was, it was like it was wincing. Um, and so we called a couple of different wildlife places and they said, well, unless it's down, you know, we can't really do anything. If it's mm -hmm. down, we'll come out and euthanize it. Uh, but until it goes down, we're not going to chase this thing around. We'll just let nature take its course. And I said, well, we're in Charleswood. The, normally nature taking its course would be a predator would come and get it. Um, all the other deer are completely avoiding it. Um, and it was just sad because then the next day it was still there. Um, and, and at, at that point it had swollen up so much that at least the leg wasn't dangling. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it, it was, it was still so hard to watch this thing hobbling around, just trying to feed. What, what do we do? The unfortunate thing is there's not much that we can do. Um, uh, hopefully like this is, this is my hopeful take on it. There, I grew up in Pinawa and there was a deer my last couple of years of high school, we called tripod because similar situation. We think that it had got hit on an icy road, mm -hmm. lo eventually lost its leg, but also managed to hobble around and scratch around town for another two or three years before wow. it got hit again. But uh, How so does that, it lose its leg? Does it just fall off or? Well, I, I don't you know. You don't want to go mechanics. into graphic detail well, I, about it? I, I don't know all the mechanics, but I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, um, it, it really, it's one of the hardest things. When you choose to really experience nature, you have to realize that it's gonna, there is going to be some hard things to watch. Mm -hmm. Especially because in this situation, it's right in our faces. Yeah. Now, as far as the other deer avoiding it, I was telling Shadow off air, that's not uh, not normal for this time of year. The deer don't have a, an elaborate family structure the way that we do or that dogs, wolves, that kind of thing would. It's a very loose herd structure. 
And this deer might have actually cut itself out away. It might be choosing to be away from the other deer. Okay. Because, again, in nature taking its course, it realizes it's a liability and could be drawing in those predators. Right. So often an injured animal will cut itself out from the herd or okay. away from a family group. Um, if it's still feeding, that's a really good sign okay. because an animal that is on its way to checking out will stop feeding. Right. If it's really burrowing under shrubbery or something, then make another call to the wildlife people. That's that's a pretty good sign that it will need some help along its journey that way. Okay. But if it's not going down, um, let it let it fight. Uh, it's again incredibly hard to watch. Yeah. But you I know mean, this is going on in the guy's backyard. I know. I know. I know. Oh, it's <laughs> not like he went looking for it. <laughs> oh no no no. I know. I know. It's unfortunate. It cho. You could think that the. Flipping that around, the deer chose your backyard to have to fight in. Right. It it knew that it was safe. Mm -hmm. It's it's struggling. Support it by you know moral support is probably the best thing you can do. Yeah. Um, don't, don't go near it. No, 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 I'm, no, no, I'm not, no. I'm not going near and it. It could have ticks or something. Well, it's probably angry and hurting. That's well, the other that thing too. Yeah. Chasing it to try to help it. Uh, and I just did air quotes for those at home. Help it. Um, if it's going to, if it, if right now it's hurt, but it's going to live, chasing it around and making it hobble around on that injured limb, which would happen if we tried to help it, yep. would probably be signing the death warrant. Right. For who? The, well, <laughs> for Jerry or for the deer? For the deer, for. For whoever, whoever got close crash, enough to it, yeah, like don't whoever approach, ends up hitting the hitting that deer when it runs out into traffic. Don't approach legs, a yeah. wounded animal, right? Exactly. Okay, and that's what this is. I mean, if you're if you're sick and hurt, yeah, we we've got a medical system. But at the end of the day, once they've done their medical magic, what's it mostly? They put you in a bed, or they send you home to lie on the couch and watch daytime TV until you're up and running, right? Right. Maybe that's move a TV is. next to the window, <laughs> find a channel that the deer doesn't seem the to mind. Deer channel, Jerry. It's, it's available on the extras with Shaw. You might there want to call go. and ask them. It's uh, it's kind of like the fire log channel, only yep. it's waving grass in the wind. <laughs> yeah. So so there is a chance that the leg might heal itself, though? Heal itself or at least not be as big a liability right. as it is now. It's okay. dangling. It's, it's not going to heal itself. You put it in a cast, maybe. Like, what about calling a vet? Again, they can't do anything until the animal would be, like, they can't do anything. They're also not skilled in deer medicine. Uh, vets do know an awful lot about an awful lot of type of animals, but unless it was one of the wildlife rehabilitation organizations, and I will drop Prairie Wildlife Rehab and Wildlife Haven, they're really good, do excellent work. But if they've said they can't do anything, they yep. really can't do anything. Um, Is that who you called? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't come in and tranquilize the thing and... Doesn't work like it does on the old Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom. Um, tranquilizing is. He just I've, gave me the biggest wince. Like, oh, I've seen I've seen it happen. We we had a bear show up at Fort White, and I've seen it takes a long time. Like from that dart hitting to actually, you got to think if you've ever had a sedative in a hospital or like put out for dental work or something. Yeah. There's that countdown they do. They know your exact height, your exact weight. They know that you're a person. They know what you ate last. With a deer, they're just guessing, right? They're guessing, and they're giving it to you by a yeah. gun yeah. or an air gun. So it hurts. And it's not instant either. It takes, you know, 10, 15 minutes. 
And yeah, it's a hypodermic needle that was shot into you at high pressure. It, it it's not pleasant for the animal. Right, right. And like overguessing, they've just it'll it'll kill them. Exactly. And underguessing, you now work. have an injured, angry, dopey deer that you got to deal with, and you got to give it a little bit more without giving it too much. Right. So and it's even even if it was out, the vet goes there and it's sort of like, okay, so is a deer more like a pig or a dog or an animal that I'm trained to work on? Mm. The basic physiology is all there, but there's no guarantee that unless you're a deer vet, which I don't know whether we have one in Winnipeg or not. Are there any deer vets listening? <laughs> Please give us a call or send us a text at 780-6868. And Barrett, I'll tell you why. Because Jerry is going to have to put up with this injured deer in his backyard, it seems, for a while. Has it has it left yet? Well, it it, it, it disappears when all the other deer come by. And then when they all leave, have you got it no fence, man? No, no. It's a, it's a, we're open, and then in behind our house, we've got a big yard, and then uh, woods. Okay. If it's moving like that, again, maybe put the deer channel on next to the. Realize that it's using your yard as its convalescent area. You see, right. now there's going to be fifteen deers watching the channel. There, <laughs> <laughs> going to be the deer man. It doesn't need food or water. If it if it can find that on its own, let it find that on its okay. own. That's going to be part of its process. Okay. So yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, Barrett. No oh, problem. one more thing, Barrett wanted to cover before he uh, goes, and that is, do not feed the animals. Yeah, please. Um, you we probably, saw it with the sea lion, seen, right? Yeah, a sea lion pulling somebody into uh, a little girl into the water in Vancouver. Well, obviously, we don't have sea lions here in Winnipeg, but we do have a lot of. A lot of fauna that people do like to feed. The deer, um, no, a little bird feeder in the backyard is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, oh, I'm on the golf course. I didn't eat all of my sandwich. Oh, that fox looks cute. Let's feed that fox. Or, oh, look, the squirrel's taking peanuts from his hand. Let's give the little kids some peanuts to feed the squirrels. It's a short hop in an animal's mind from people have food to people have easy food to the, hmm, that looks like food. And... A dress gets pulled by a sea lion and the little girl goes for an unexpected swim. A golfer gets a bite on the hand and now gets to uh, find out just how much fun rabies and tetanus shots are. And some conservation officer needs to track down a fox to see whether that fox is indeed sick or was just over uh, overindulged by humans. So, so there's uh, nothing good that can come from feeding the wildlife. Not life. really. No. Observe from a distance. And I only got on that soapbox because of the sea lion um, and the fact that though we're a thousand miles from the ocean, it does happen here every day and uh, it's not quite as dramatic. There's not always cell phone footage of it, but it happens every day. It's not good for people. It's not good for wildlife. And when it's not good for either of those two things, it doesn't help us connect to nature and that's uh, not helping anybody. Barrett, thank you very much for taking the extra time to speak with us this morning. Thank you very much. Uh, And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. There's Barrett Miller, wildlife interpreter with Fort White Alive.